0: Hey, guys, it's Sid. Um, Before we begin the episode today, I just want to let you know that this episode won't be sponsored by Anchor. Um, The reason being is that the past couple episodes that I recorded had a lot of issues, and I record through the Anchor app. And so what had happened was there's a lot of overlap and a lot of awkward pauses in the episodes that you know some of them were pretty easy to edit out but at the end of the day it was just kind of hard to salvage a lot of stuff so when you listen to Rand's episode um, you'll notice lightning round questions aren't there or it might sound off a little bit or shorter than maybe what is normally posted on here and so I just wanted to let you guys know that Right now, I'm in the process of trying to figure out new editing software, a new place to record these episodes, and probably a new host in the near future. Right now, I want to just get the episodes that I've already recorded out there and into um, the internet, (laughs) but right now, we're kind of in a pause period of recording new episodes until... We figure out what's going on. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's what's going on right now. Just wanted to let you know if when you hear Megarant's Grant's episode, he doesn't have his lightning round questions, which is very sad. Also, um, in order to sponsor his brand new book, this episode was kind of recorded pretty recently compared to all the other episodes you'll be listening to. So keep that in mind as well. All right, thanks guys. And now... Back to the show. What is up everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid and join me today is one of my favorite rappers ever. And also <laughs> now he's uh, a published author give it up for Mega Ran. How are
1: you doing Mega Ran? <laughs> I'm good, Sid. How are you?
0: I'm doing good, man. This is kind of, this is weird. Like I've, no, like I I'm listen weird. to your music and I hear you on the kind of funny podcast and stuff like that. So I'm used to like hearing you all the time and just me being like the listener, but now like I'm talking to you now. <laughs> so it's like <laughs> you get to respond to me and stuff, you know?
1: That's pretty cool. Like, I didn't think about it that way, but I guess that would be kind of weird yeah. to have it from a different angle. But I'm excited yeah. to be here, man.
0: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm very happy that you're here. Um, for the uninitiated, uh, can you just describe, like, who you are, what you do, and how, you, how do we know each other?
1: Well, I'm a music artist, former teacher, uh-huh. um, now author. Um, I've been making hip-hop music with a video game kind of flair on it for the past uh, about 10 years or so. I love retro video games and soundtracks, so I kind of found the a, found a lane just by remixing a lot of really classic tunes and uh, making something new and special out of them, and uh, it's been a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I mean, y- you you said it right there, like, your name is, like, Mega Ran, and that comes from Mega Man, too, right?
1: Absolutely. Mega Man was my favorite video game, His favorite sounds, you know, the the music, the soundtracks were always so great. And that's really what created Mega Ran. I was random before that, so putting Mm -hmm. random and Mega Ran Mega Man together, it
0: became Mega Ran. Nice. And how long have you been doing this? Like, I feel like uh, since I've like been familiar with you through the kind of funny podcast, Mm. um, you've been at it for a while, but probably you've been at it for even longer. I've
1: been at it for a while, man. This was two thousand seven when I did my very first Mega Man uh, project, and IGN picked it up, and it's kind of how it got how I actually got on the radar of the kind of funny was when Greg was back with at IGN, he and Colin had me on podcast beyond way back. And then we did uh, a live version of our Dr. Wiley song mm-hmm. and it was super fun. And since then, you know, they've been, they've been huge supporters from as close to day one as you could, you could count.
0: Yeah, I bet. Like, and we've seen you like everywhere. Like I remember, I was in San Francisco. This was my first time ever traveling like just by myself. Like, granted, I'm from the Middle East, so mm. I had to like go on a plane and travel all the way here to the States. I'm a dual citizen. But uh this was the first time I actually bought my own plane ticket and made the initiative to like find up like an Airbnb and just to go to this live event and you were there we actually like we spoke very brief you know like Mm. uh just a little bit like we didn't hang out all the time but like you were very humble very nice and i remember that interaction and like you, you on the stage with xavier woods and like just singing and like damn that was like a really good time
1: it was it was super fun man that was one of my favorite like Outing like concert kind of moments, you know, because it was a variety show where I was able to be around a lot of really cool people, friends of mine who had also done great things that I look up to, and um, mm-hmm. and a great huge supportive crowd was there. I think that's the night that my Mega Buster was stolen, though. So there's a bit of oh. a <laughs> there's a bit of a uh, cloud on that night. Uh, I had a <laughs> you know little plastic Mega Man cannon that I used to bring on stage. And um, my friend was watching it at the merch table and then she left the merch table to come in and take pictures of me on stage. And when she came back, it was gone. And it wasn't just that it was gone. The guy who took it decided to like go online and like tease me about it. So he's in a video like, hey, Megaran, I got your Canon, yeah. And like, I reposted it. Like, I can't believe that, you know, someone who came here as a kind of funny best friend would do this, and uh, my fans started researching the guy. Found out he lived in Denver. They they like sent me all of his information. I was like, oh snap!
0: <laughs> and they're like,
1: all right. So if you need us to go after him, I'm like, it's a it's a toy, guys. It's okay. And um, mm-hmm. but Greg was like hugely instrumental. He was like, dude, like that doesn't happen in our community. So I'm gonna talk to people and get information. And he did. And uh, and then they wound up getting me a new one. So it all worked out.
0: That that's kind of like bullshit, man. Like, but like, I'm glad, you know, Greg Miller, um, of um one of the hosts of the kind of funny podcast, you know, he he um portrays himself as a humble guy on the show and meeting him in person, too. Like, he is a very good person. I, I get that vibe. From oh, him. yeah. He's a
1: great dude, man. He helped me out immensely. He didn't have to do what he did, but he went all out because he takes it very seriously. You know, this is his community. It's a bunch of people he brought together. You want to be able to trust the people in your community. So he was mm-hmm. so disappointed, like almost like embarrassed. You know, he came to me and was like, dude, I'm just so sorry that something like that would happen. Like, I wouldn't expect that to happen in, in my type of audience. But you never know, man. Turned out this guy was just yeah. not a good person, man. He was like a Trump supporter, like gun-toting, yeah. you know, just, oh, I guess uh, he's liberal and liberal media. He's one of those guys. And it didn't, it uh, didn't even fit to me the vibe Mm -hmm. of a kind of friendly best friend, you know, at all. So I feel like he was like an outlier. Like maybe he was just walking by and saw the event happening and I don't know, but it was really, really disappointing, but, uh, but the end result was great. And I think that's what people should do when they, when they run a community, take personal responsibility, take stake and ownership in what the community does. And if you don't feel Mm -hmm. that comfortable in that, type of feeling towards your community then you got work to do you know and uh, and that was something that I really respect about Greg Miller and to this day I, I consider him one of my best friends uh, pun intended and um, <laughs> you know a guy that has always supported from day one and uh, has been nothing but nice and generous to me with, with his his platform, with his audience, with his like being open about fandom. I have so many famous people who like my stuff but won't say it in public, you know? You know, there's a difference, you know, to be like, oh, man, I love your stuff. But to, you know, actually vouch for the things they love in public is a whole different thing.
0: Yeah. Well, I hope with this podcast, like, I'm one of those voices, too. Thank you. When we get big one day. Mm -hmm. I I did, like, I did have a question for you because I was always curious because you say, you always say that you started off as a math teacher and you did, like, rap on the side and stuff like
1: that. Well, I taught English, but... Mostly English. I did a little math when I had to, but mostly my my focus was language arts, which is reading English, Mm -hmm. um, social studies, things like that. But yeah, at night I was going and doing concerts like nonstop. That was my that was my life.
0: Yeah. What made you decide to like leave the teaching life and come to rap like full time? That
1: part was that the pay was almost even, you know, as an (laughs) unknown rapper, (laughs) the the pay I was receiving was almost as even and treatment. Was almost uh, the same as what I would have gotten as a uh, a teacher in a career, which was crazy to me, yeah. because yeah, and then not say I would do it for the money, but teachers don't do it for the money. That's for sure. Your reward is someplace mm-hmm. else. Like it's very, very rewarding. It's an unbelievable amount of of like pride that you get from being a teacher and watching students learn and grow right under your watch. But you know you you can't pay your bills on pride and <laughs> those things. Mm-hmm. So there's times where I was literally down to my last buck, you know, as a teacher. Yeah. So I just thought to myself, you know what, if I'm going to struggle, why struggle doing the thing that you hate when I could struggle doing the thing that I love, you know, and not that I hated teaching, but it was just becoming something that was beginning to make me dislike it, you know, all the politics and the, you know, the the administration and the, the, the pressure that everyone puts on the teacher. You know, the teacher is the first line of defense between the student Mm -hmm. and their home life, you know? Mm -hmm. So if a student isn't acting acting right, the teacher is blamed. You know, if the student isn't achieving, the teacher is blamed, you know? So from both sides, you get it from the parents, you get it from the school. And I just couldn't do it anymore at at, at a high level and go out and play gigs. You know, I wanted to play shows. Mm -hmm. I wanted to travel. And when you're asked to go and play a show in Japan, and then come back (laughs) and be in a classroom full of kids who don't want to be there. You're like,
0: "Hmm,
1: you know what? I'm going to go do this Japan show, you know? And uh, (laughs) that's what led to me stepping down. And it wasn't just the money, you know, I don't want to promote like leaving, you know, running and chasing the dollar because anything that, with that you into for the money, I think will eventually disappoint you, you know? Uh, But I think it's all about getting into something that fulfills you, you know, and unfortunately teaching wasn't fulfilling me at that time. So maybe another life, another moment. I can come back to that. But right now, I think music is the life for me.
0: Oh, yeah, I understand that. And um, I did laugh when you said that. But like, it's also a very sad reality in America. Like teachers just don't get paid. No, no, they should get
1: paid like doctors and like NBA players, you know, and uh, because these are the people who literally hold the future in their hand. And this is why kids grow up dreaming that they want to be TikTok stars or or sports athletes, because those those (laughs) those careers are valued. You know, so if we value <laughs> teachers and put them on TV and put them in positions of, of power and influence, then people would want to do that. And that's really what it is. <laughs> Our society has to place value on those things that that uh, create great members of society. You know.
0: Yeah. You would think that, that would happen more this time around with the pandemic, but it doesn't seem like it. No,
1: <laughs> not at all. Um, I mean, school is even in, in a worse shape than ever right now. Like I can't imagine teaching through Zoom. Or all the things that people have to do now. Like, I had a, I have a teacher friend who's like, what do we do? Like, they're letting the teachers vote on whether or not they want to come back into classrooms or if they want to teach on Zoom. And uh, and if if they're overruled, you know, they have to come back to the class, you know? So she's like, well, what would you do? And I'm like, I would quit, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, at some point, like, they got to take you seriously. And if not, then I think you should move on. So, but she's like, yeah, it's easy for you to say, like you have another thing lined up. And I'm like, well, I, not really, you know, like I'm an independent rapper. I put my music directly onto Spotify, YouTube, all those places. Like there's no guarantee that anyone's going to listen to it or like it, you know? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm putting a lot on the line and, and, it's, and it's not easy to ask someone else to do something like that. So I understand
0: and I kind of feel the same way like with my podcast too like uh, granted i I have a second job and everything, and the reason why I created this podcast was because um, i can 't do theater anymore i 'm a theater artist, and that career is kind of gone right now during this yeah. pandemic and so um, I kind of just put it out there into the world, and it seemed like a lot of people really like it and appreciate it and I don't really do it for the money. We don't really get that much views, but you know, the people who do listen, like the right people are really impacted by it. And I'm very privileged to like bring a lot of different people from different perspectives, not just from Spokane or anything, but also exposing people in Spokane to like people like you. Cause like, um, no, I, I can guarantee you like nobody in my crowd and my circle knows what kind of money mm-hmm. it is <laughs> like they don't know who Megan yeah. is, but like they're they're about to They're know about America to now. now. Um,
1: yeah, I appreciate that. I've never been to Spokane. I've been all over Washington, uh, done a ton of gigs. Uh We went to gosh, one tour. It was a very interesting uh tour. We hopped around a lot up in the northwest and we went to. Mm-hmm. Moscow, Idaho, which is like right on the border, a little bit of Washington. Um, And then we (laughs) played, I I don't think we played Spokane, but we did, um, gosh, I don't even remember where else. But anyway, we played all the way up in the Northwest and had a lot of fun, but it was a lot of cold and snowy nights. And some nights where almost nobody showed up. But where's Washington State? Where's that at?
0: Uh, so Washington State is uh, like the Northwest. So it's right like in the corner, yeah. like where between Can- it's like it's right like the border of Canada. OK, right there. yeah. It's so like we played Northwest.
1: out yeah. there. We, we did everything, you know. And so but I really enjoy going to those places because I, I clearly remember getting through one of the shows and talking to some fans there and like them saying, like, we never thought anything like this would ever come here. You know, so I'm so like happy that you've decided to come and join us out here, you know. And I was just like, oh, man, like that's what makes it worth it to me. You know, we get to these super small towns and people are like, hey, man, like we don't see shows like this. We've never seen anything like this. And, not- and I, I never expected it to be in our town. So they come out, they tell the friends. I had some other ones that came out and our, um, I think Eugene, Oregon show, saying the same thing. Like, hey, we're kind of funny best friends. We heard of you through the show and we just never thought something like this would happen. So that's what I really miss about touring is coming and touching those really small towns that never see this because those people become fans and supporters for life, you know? And those are the mm-hmm. people that help to build what you, it's brick by brick, man. You can't build a house in a mm-hmm. day. So every brick is just as important You know, whether that brick comes from Chicago, Illinois, or Los Angeles, or New York, or Spokane, you know, it's all just as important.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. Um, Before we get to the like the main topic, I do want to ask you one question here. Um, you know, you've been doing rapping for uh, like rap for so long and you've been touring and doing all this crazy stuff and going to Japan and uh I'm just curious like what made you want to sit down and write this memoir that you have now that's out today, well out now and people can buy it online, which we'll have links in the description for. Oh, <laughs> I had a
1: blast uh making it, but it was something that literally took me like 5 years, but what made me want to mm-hmm. do it is just you know, when you experience things, when you go through life, people are always just asking or, or to say something to me like this happened a lot. Where people just like, hey, man, what are you going to write a book? Like, that's a story for a book. Like, I'll be on stage and I'll just talk and I'll tell a lot of anecdotes and stories and funny things that that have helped me to become who I am. And people would just be like, dude, I need to read this in a book. You know, like, I think this would be a great book, mm-hmm. you know. So it's mm-hmm. it's just been said so much that I figured I'd try. And again, I never thought anybody would want to read it, but then I got encouraged again this year, where a couple people just started asking me, like, "Dude, where's the book? Like, how on it?" And I'm like, "Okay, okay." So the time at home for the pandemic just got me back into gear. So I was like, "All right, I'm going to mm-hmm. write a paragraph a day or a chapter a week," you know, and mm-hmm. and then I just got it done, you know. So that's really what it was. I had like just. Scraps of paper, it seemed, from different points of my life. Like, all right, I need to write about this day that I wrote my first album. This day that I first talked to Capcom. This day that I went to my first Comic Con. This day that I went to Japan. You know, and then I've just pieced them all together with a lot of like of my like life story. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's been exciting and, and nerve wracking because I've literally never ever done anything like this before. Like, never written. You know, this is my first published thing. You know, and uh, I know all about music. I know all about video games. But uh, as a, an author, I'm a new artist again. So it's kind of exciting, mm-hmm. you know, just being a very brand new person. You know, and uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 been super super exciting.
0: Yeah what uh, what is the book like uh, for the uninitiated? Like what what is the book called? Mm-hmm. Like what what's it about? It's called
1: Dream Master. It is my memoir. Uh, basically. Holds up to my first seven years as a professional artist and my past. So it starts off with a, a very important moment, a thing that happened to me in uh, when I was in college, and so from there is what kind of forged my path to be like. All right, I'm going to become a writer. I'm going to write some things. going to also turn into a you know video game you know player, and what what from playing has encouraged me. To jump into, obviously, when we talk about Mega Man, that stuff has inspired me in a, in a whole new way. So I just thought it would be something that people would hopefully find some inspiration in. You know, if you're a fan of of memoirs, you're a fan of like life stories, you're also a fan of video games, music, comic books, anime, education, you know, and uh, all that. It's wrapped into one neat package called Dreammaster, which is out now. You can get it at Dreammasterbook.com. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. I uh, I'm so excited to read it. Um, I'm very I have this very bad habit with books where it's like, I'll read it. And then it, it's has got to sit there and then I'll just forget about it. <laughs> but your book. Yeah, I'm reading like one of the new like one of the Star Wars books right now. And I'm like, man, this is this is a good book. I know it. But it's like it's a slow burn right now. <laughs> And i like, I'm trying to get through it. But uh, now nah, I'm very excited to read your book. And uh, you want it to be adapted into a stage play. huh?
1: I do. I, I said that on Twitter the other day. And it's because I had a dream. I woke up dreaming that this this was a stage play like not I don't think like, oh, I need to be a, a movie star. This needs to be a movie. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. But, <laughs> I, but I think at, the, at its least, you know, I think that this could be really cool on a screen, you know, and I don't necessarily have to play myself. I could just write it, let somebody else work on it. But I really want to show this story in, a, in an illustrated way where, you know, it's live and in front of your face, you know, and I think that a stage mm-hmm. play would really, really be awesome.
0: That sounds dope. I, as someone who loves theater, um, I would love to see that. I would see that show. Yeah,
1: you would? would okay. Yeah. Well, I've gotta help me get it, get it started. I've literally never written a play. So
0: then I look yeah. at it like, all right.
1: At one point, I had never yeah. written a song. At another point, I had never made an album. At another point, I had never written yeah. a book. So sometimes you just gotta do it. I'm like, I'm like Ryu at the end of Street Fighter 2. Are you familiar? Mm-hmm. So when, I- when Ryu wins the tournament in Street Fighter, they have the ceremony and he's not even there. Like, they're like, where's the champion? And he's gone. He's walking off to the next challenge. He wants the next fight. And that's me. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to stay around, resting on my laurels and becoming, Oh, you're the greatest guy to do this. Nah, let me, let me, let's where's the next challenge Where's the next
0: fight. No, I totally feel that. I always, uh, I always tell my friends, like, I really want to, Take the standards of theater and just kind of like the standards and the old ways of theater, learn about it and just kind of throw it in the garbage and create something new and always find the next thing to do that's like impactful and, and like inspiring for other people. So I get you that. Like, I'm we're both like Ryu in that way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you got to keep moving, man. If you become stagnant, you know, you become comfortable. And, uh, Gosh, there's a great, great quote about that, but basically being like, Any artist, you know, for an artist, like the opposite of like happiness is comfortable, you know, and you can't you can't be comfortable. You know, the the moment you feel uncomfortable, that means you're about to do something great. So if you get nervous before you drop an episode or if you, you know, you get nervous before you interview someone like that means you're about to do something great. You know, if I didn't get nervous, like I've played probably a thousand shows in my life and and I still have to go to the bathroom right before I go on stage, you know it's like the nervous pee has to come, you know, and if it didn't, I'd be like something's wrong you know <laughs> I, even I think back to you know that night at at the kind of funny live show like when whenever someone says you're on in five minutes, I have to go to the bathroom. it never fails, even when I do live shows um when I do live streaming events like I've been doing the last year or so. I have to go to the bathroom. So I know that's my that's my nervousness coming in. And so (laughs) if I don't feel that, then I'm gonna be like, something's up.
0: (laughs) Yeah. No, I feel that, you know. Um, real quick, like um, there's a theater artist that I follow. Um, she's one of the best theater artists of the 20th century or the 21st Mm -hmm. century, Anne Bogart. And she said something like, You gotta have like your hand, one hand into the known and then the other hand in the unknown. Mm And uh, like you got to have you, you got to have a balance of like, yeah, I, I'm experienced. I know what I'm about to do. But also there's this like anxiousness and nervousness or, of like, I don't know if it's going to be executed well. But like, the important thing is you got to do it. You got to learn. That's how you uh, develop as an artist. You got to do
1: it absolutely
0: well guys gals and non-binary pals this is wayward artists in a wayward world we're each and every sunday i sit with a wayward artist and we talk about a person that we're th- th- that they're thankful for it's based on jared petty's podcast pocket full of soup which initially i kind of stole his old idea mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh jared petty's a cool guy did you have you met jared like i i don't know um i feel
1: like we may have crossed paths like we've had to have been at the same event more than once I don't know if we've like talked, but I feel like we've been in the same place a few times.
0: Yeah, he was on Kind of Funny Games Daily like a few times as the like mm-hmm. the host before he had to go. Yeah, do I feel his own like. Thing. Gosh, I, I I think we met at
1: Kind of Funny maybe early on. I think that's what it was where we met.
0: Yeah, he's a good mm-hmm. guy. I love him. Yeah. Um, I very, very appreciate Pockets Full of Soup and being inspired to do something similar to what he was doing before. Mm-hmm. Um. Megaran, I'm going to ask you the question each and th- that I ask each and every guest each and every week. Tell me someone you're thankful for.
1: Well, this one's going to sound pretty corny, but I'm thankful for my mom for a lot mm-hmm. of reasons. Uh, first being birthing me, but um, <laughs> outside of that, she's always kept me grounded. You know, when I have wanted to chase ridiculous dreams, she's always been like, all right, build a foundation first so that when you, when you attempt to soar, if if it does happen, so happen that you have to land again, like you have something firm and solid to land on, and I think that that has kept me uh, completely focused, you know. And even when the time came when I was ready to quit teaching and move on and go into try to make music, she didn't discourage me. She said, "Well, you got your education, you went to college, you did everything I asked, so go on and fly, like do it." And now that it's been working out for a few years. She's literally told me, like, I'm proud of you, you know. And now she tells all her friends, oh, he's a rapper. He's a, you know, this is guy travels everywhere. He wrote a book. He's a, you know, like she's absolutely like my biggest fan and supporter, which I never thought I'd see coming. Like, I used to try to hide the music career from, <laughs> from my mother. So uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's been um it, it's been a great ride, but I, I think that. She continues to be like my number one like reason for doing this, because if she had doubted me or maybe, you know, t- tried to convince me otherwise, she's the person I would have listened to. You know, so the fact that she encouraged me has uh, has really showed me that there's no limit to what I can accomplish.
0: Yeah, that's so cool. First of all, it's not corny. We've had moms mm-hmm. on the show. We love mm-hmm. moms. Um, but like. I loved what you were saying, like having like a foundation that's something to land on. I feel like a lot of at least people my age, like younger and stuff like that, like they want to like get into at least the theater. People want to get into Broadway like right away. And it's just like, man, that's uh, that's you and like a hundred thousand other people that want to do it. So like um, you got to figure out like why you want to like like be an actor, why you want to do like. Specifically theater, because like it 's a hard life like it 's hard to like advocate for yourself and do the, the thing that you want to do, but also taking a big risk and not necessarily having like a landing pad not, 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 like having a backup I mean for me, my backup is to one, I really want to get my master's because mm. uh, I want to be a professor one day and then freelance on the side, kind of like you know with you and okay. teaching um, that 's what i 'm really interested in at least right mm. now. And so um, the, like the teaching part is like my, like my fall, you know, like I, I love teaching. I love mentoring. I have my own apprentice, you know, Mm -hmm. like she's like my Padawan. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like she's in high school. Like I know her family and everything. Like I I get to teach her. Yeah. I get to teach her what I know. And so, yeah. And so uh, that's my fall pad. And like, I can't imagine not having that. Mm. You know, like, like that would be like hella scary. Like, just going at it and doing all, like, doing theater. Like, I have a theater troupe, um, and we barely made enough in our last couple wow. gigs.
1: <laughs> I understand, man. It's yeah, you gotta have a support system, man. No matter what, I feel like in anything you're trying to accomplish, without a support system. You know, people, people in music kind of maybe under, underscore it a little bit because they're like, you got to have a team. You got to build a team. And it's all about a team. And it's not very easy to build a team, you know. So you got to have at, the, at its the most basic, you got to have a support system. A few people who either, you know, mentors, mentees, people who want the same goal as you. Like, without that, it's extremely hard. It's not impossible, but it's extremely difficult to get anything done without someone behind you that knows you can do it and that isn't afraid to push you or be honest with you. And uh, that's really what it has to be. Like, I feel like you gotta have that at some level.
0: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like your mom um, is like kind of your mentor in that sense then? Like she's always your biggest critic. Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> not she's not really my biggest critic, I guess artistically, but she definitely pays attention and that even when I don't think she is paying attention. So that I do appreciate. So when I do ask her for advice, she's like, oh well, you should play that song that goes like this. And I'm like, wait, how do you know that? You know? <laughs> so there's been times for sure that I've heard, you know, from her, like, you know, advice that I didn't expect to get. But um yeah, so she's definitely, definitely been my uh my my rock in a lot of a lot of regards because she has been a a, a tough critic
0: tell me about your mom a little bit like well where like who is she mm-hmm. like where uh where is she uh what's her yeah background there's
1: is? like a short chapter in the book about her because I didn't want to tell too much of her business but my mom is <laughs> uh she was born in South Carolina in a very really small town called Rock hill um with I think six brothers and sisters and she Uh, was raised by a mom and dad who worked it hard for as long as she could remember. Her mother died when she was in her teens. And since then, it was just her and her family, but she was the youngest. So she never really had to do anything. You know, she was the baby. So she didn't have to cook. She didn't have to clean. She didn't have to, you know, everybody else did everything. So they, but they never, they gave her all the hand-me-downs, she said, like she was the last one. So she got the hand-me-down clothes, the hand-me-down socks and shoes and, you know, and it, be, it came to a point where a lot of my family members were moving up North, you know, with their families and starting a new uh, life. And she was the last one to move with them. And she moved to Pennsylvania. So she eventually came to Philly, started her own life, worked a bunch of jobs. You know, she's worked two jobs for the majority of my life. You know, she just worked extremely hard so that I could never go without. Like I was a spoiled brat, you know, anything I ever asked for, mm-hmm. I got it, you know. Uh, but she made me work for it, you know. But but at the end of the day, like I got anything I wanted because I did what I was supposed to do, you know. Um, so literally she was the type of person who would and still is, give would give her absolute last to anyone, you know, every day. Even now she lives in Phoenix. So. I take her to the post office once a week for her to mail packages back home to friends of whatever. Oh, I, I was at the store and I picked up something I thought they would like. So some candles I'm going to mail them to my, my nieces and nephews, you know. So she's just a, a giver. And that's really the number one thing I could say about my mother is that she's a giver. So I try to be the same way. Whenever I meet my friends to do my podcast, uh, you know, if we hadn't seen each other for a while, I give them a gift just today. I got a ton of beer from a beer sponsor and i don't really drink so i was like hey who wants beer (laughs) you know so (laughs) one of my friends came by today just to pick up you know a case so i try to be a giver you know whenever i can that's really and i I think that's the biggest thing i picked up from my mother is be a giver you know when you have an overabundance or even if you don't have an overabundance but if you know someone else will appreciate it and need it maybe more than you will give and uh, and it's a really good feeling, you know you don't give to receive that's a, I think another thing I picked up from her. I don't give just to get something back, but I give because it feels good to help out.
0: do you think that philosophy also blends into your music like yeah. do you feel like you're 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 given your your talent more than oh yeah, like, you know, like yeah, receive. because
1: I know when I first came up, everybody was say like oh, if you collaborate with other artists or you collaborate with other podcasters, you collaborate with other musicians and showgoers, then your thing will take off, you know? But when I was just starting off, nobody wanted to collaborate because they're like, who are you? You know? So I realized that when I started kind of coming up and things were working out for me, I realized that any opportunity I could, I would reach out, reach down to up and coming artists and give them that look that I didn't get when I was coming up, you know? I just try to be that person that mm-hmm. I wish I had growing up. And that's where giving comes in a mm-hmm. lot for me. Uh, so I, I'm always collaborating. We just finished an album for Halloween called Ghouls and Ghosts 4, where we did a bunch of Halloween tracks with two of my favorite artists, Richie mm-hmm. Branson and Kadesh Flow. Uh, we got to collaborate on every single song, and it felt really good to bring that type of energy together. So for me, I was an only child. So anytime I get to play with my friends, it's a plus. You know, so whether it's collaborating, whether it's, you know, talking on podcasts or anything like that, I try my best to to give my time because that's probably the most valuable thing of all, you know?
0: Yeah. So that like that totally makes sense now that you're. On the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I was like, why, why the heck is he like I just reached out to you and I was like he's probably not going to respond. It's probably going to get a lot of people responding. And then like you responded, I was like, oh, Uh, now we got to (laughs) commit. I definitely had a lot of people
1: respond. I was like, oh man, got to be careful what you ask for. You know, I reached out and was like, hey, (laughs) who's got podcasts? And like everybody apparently has a podcast, but, but, you know, (laughs) it takes me doing the time and and the effort and the due diligence to listen. I really enjoy what I heard with your podcast. So I was like, well, this is a great effort. And it's a, it's something that, you don't see every day. It's not like, all right, so what's your favorite video game? And uh, how'd you feel about that? You know, it's, it's a lot more like when you talk about, you know, giving and and all the, the, the people you look up to, you know, so I thought it was some really important subjects going on here, which is why I decided to do, it. I, I don't do them all. I don't have enough time to do them all, but, but, you know, I make sure <laughs> that when something strikes me as interesting and creative,
0: Uh, yeah, I tried to do it. You're totally on the money here. I created this podcast to like, it was mostly a lot of, if you notice like the earlier episodes, Mm like they're all my friends. Like it was a way for me to reach out to them because like, it's, we're in about a year into this pandemic and I haven't like seen any of my friends. Like I, I told the story uh, before in one of the episodes that like my boss, and she wasn't being malicious about it or anything. Like I, uh, there's like these curtains mm. going on downstairs, like in like this uh, clinic that I work at. I, I'm a receptionist mm. at the eye center, and I'm like, "Yo, what's uh, what's going on with all these curtains downstairs?" And she's like, "Well, uh, a traveling Shakespeare theater troupe is like wow. going to perform down there, like as a joke." And then, and then I was. I was, like, I knew, like, that was, like, impossible, <laughs> but, like, still, I was, like, it's that's my friends, yeah. you know, like, I was, and then when she said, no, that's not what that's for, it's for, like, COVID and stuff, and I was, like, yeah. I was legitimately yeah, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so, like, I created this because I want, like, when I listened to it initially from Jared, um, it felt, it, it was really feel good. It was a way for us to connect to, you know, positive things and see where, we kind of, where we are now by digging into the past. And so um, we got to do that. I got to like, learn so much about my friends that I never learned about before. Like um, there's one, two of my friends, actually, I've known for like Mm. 12 years of my life, almost 10 years. And I learned some some new stuff about them, which like I've, that I've never learned before. And so I wanted to give that experience, like, to everyone. And, like, you know, I know other people, like, from different countries, like, states and stuff like that that I wanted to introduce, too. And, you know, initially, I really wanted to get Linda wow. and Miranda on the show. <laughs> so I was, like, I really well, wanted to, That will
1: happen. You know, keep dream keep big. dreaming big. Dream big. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. But, like, you're big, too, man. Like like I said, like, I listen to your music all the time. Thank I you. listen to OP a lot. You know, that's, that's one of my favorite songs. My uh, grown Up. Thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so when you talk about giving, I really wanted to give something that fit my artistic statement mm-hmm. in theater, um, which is about connection and about talking about issues that are important. That's why, like, I chose those three episodes for you to listen. The, uh, the one was mm-hmm. with Keely Anderson, AJ the Wordsmith, and B Light. Like, those were really. Powerful episodes, I think. Like, all the episodes were great. I loved Mm -hmm. all my conversations, but those three in particular, like, those were really, really powerful episodes. They were great. Yeah. I mean, it was a good uh, pick. Those
1: are good picks. Like, so, and I trust you as a person who's done them all to know who is mm -hmm. the, you know, which ones are the ones that'll stick out and be most relevant or, you know, maybe struck a chord with me. So, Mm -hmm. good picks. Good picks.
0: I figured, like, I tried to, like, I'm I'm trying to tug at your heart. (laughs) Yeah. Um going back to your mom, you said that she's been working two jobs. Um what 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 which which what was she doing before, like when you were a kid? Like what was uh, well, she working she like? She started off at least
1: jobs? from as far as I can remember. She worked at a company called Honeywell that built a lot of um they built parts for like space shuttles and did all kinds of cool stuff. So she's in a factory. Um wow. later that factory relocated, ironically, from Philadelphia to Phoenix. But when they relocated, they didn't you know, relocate the workers. They just gave them a severance and let let everyone go. So they gave her uh, a severance, which she used to go to school, to nursing school. And then she became a registered nurse. So she used to just spend her late nights caring for people, you know, and, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. another bit of irony is that I was at home alone, you know, not getting cared for, you know, at least from what I thought, I was like, oh, you're taking care of everybody else except me. And I was so angry because she worked these long hours, but she did it so that we could have the things that I, that we wanted, you know? So I joked that when Mm -hmm. I went to college, it was the first time I had ever been in her car, you know, like she had drove me to college, (laughs) but I, prior to that, she had a brand new car and I just never was able to ride in it because she was uh, just took it to work and back, you know? And uh, she never was able to like teach me how to drive or do all these other things because she just worked so hard. But you know, she told me it was just like I do this because I know that you you like nice things, right? You know, you love getting gifts for Christmas. You know, you love being able to wear clean clothes. You know, so therefore, that's why I work so hard. And and I think that's why I work hard yeah. now. You know.
0: And I'm sure she felt your pain too. Like uh, I'm 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 pretty sure that, like the feelings mutual. Because, like, it seemed like, the, at least the way you describe her, it's like, you both have a powerful bond with each other. And, like, her being away for so long, I'm sure it affected her, too, to some extent. I, I'm
1: sure. I'm sure. You know, uh, she she always says that, too. Like, I wish I had more time. So, yeah, it's not that, you know, it's just that somehow, that's just the way our economy's set up. That, you know, if you want to be a person mm-hmm. that lives at a minimum, you know, I would say at a middle class lifestyle, like, you got to work hard, you know. And that's just all it
0: is, you know? And so now uh, in the position you're at now, you bet. You oh, yeah, I do her. my
1: best, man. I, I, I Twice a week, we go and hang out. I take her out. She <laughs> goes to the casino. You know, I'm like, all right, there's like a few bucks, you know, go play. She's retired now. So all she wants to do is go to the casino. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's that's the life, man. I wish I can retire and just you know, just chill. <laughs> Philadelphia. Like you're in Phoenix now. Like, um, is your so your mom like? Moved to yeah, Phoenix she did. You?
1: Like right before I got married, she decided to move to Phoenix. I didn't think she would ever leave Philadelphia. We had to really fight her and pull her on that one. <laughs>
0: what, what's Philadelphia like? I've never been before, but I always hear it's great, good yeah, stuff, great about culture. It. Like, you culture. know, it's the
1: first the first city of America. You know, so there's so much history there. Um, you know, you got the the Liberty Bell and Constitution Center and all this stuff downtown. But um but you know, the city's huge, but it's also like separated. You know, there's South Philly, there's North Philly, you know, and for the most part, you know, um racially and, and, and class wise it's been separated, you know. The South this has been primarily mm-hmm. for a lot of uh, white folks or maybe Italians, and then there's been another part of town for the Polish, another part of the town for Puerto Ricans, another part of town for African Americans, so um, yeah, it's become very segregated, but I think now it's all starting to blend in. Now that I've kind of gone, I mean, whether it's a result of gentrification or whatever, like, every neighborhood has its really nice parts now, which I think is cool, you know, if you can look at a positive of that. But um, but yeah, it's, it's a town where you know, musically, it's got a history, it's got a sound. And uh, and that could be tough for a guy like me who's trying to do something different. You know, you come in with a, you know, a video game based hip hop thing. They're like, what? You know, nobody's really understanding that. <laughs> so I say this now, and I say it a lot. I left in 2006. But since then, Philadelphia has kind of adopted its like nerdy side and, and, and showed a lot of love to its nerdy side. There's comic book stores that pop up everywhere. And you know, the anime scene. And there's a lot of really dope writers and graphic designers and comic writers that have come up out of there. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't there when I was there. And if it was, I might not have left. You know, I just felt like the city was kind of stuck in its ways creatively, where it didn't Mm -hmm. make a lot of room for something different. The the old story was, if you want to blow up in Philly, you leave Philly. (laughs) You know, it was like, you you gotta leave that town yeah. and then that town will appreciate you, yeah. you know.
0: <laughs> it, it you are striking a chord, is how I feel about Spokane. But that's the thing that I learned. It's like, it's, like a that's lot every people- town,
1: you know. Like don't think it's just Spokane. Like that's literally every city from Atlanta to Seattle, you know. Every city's like that. You gotta get out before people mm-hmm. will even understand or appreciate you or respect you there, you know. Unfortunately. Um, it's just that local mentality, you know. It won't. It, it's not going anywhere.
0: That's interesting that you say that because, like, you would figure Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, is like a a big town compared to Spokane, which only has, I think, like six hundred thousand the population, okay. maybe a little bit more. Six hundred thousand. I mean, that's a yeah, lot of people. So, I mean, it, that's not huge, but it's a lot of people. Going back to your mom, um, does she come to your shows? Like, does mm-hmm. she come to like a lot, a lot, lot of them? Not everyone, not but everyone lately,
1: since them. she's been retired, she's been at a lot of shows. I remember in Philly when she was still living there, we did a show uh, and she came out, not only came to the show, but like brought food for people. Like she had a a spread and set up all (laughs) these like snacks. And and I was like, what is going on? And like, people were just like, Oh, your mom's so sweet. I can't believe she did this. You know? So like a hip hop show is going on in here, but in the other room there's like a spread of food and I'm like, I've never seen that at a show before. But uh, so yeah, she's been super supportive.
0: (laughs) Nice. What's her favorite song? Like, she, likes like, she have one that she the, listens to? About?
1: Uh, the Final Fantasy song. Avalanche. So she's always like, the song that goes, "Hey, mm-hmm. hey, hey," you know. So yeah, she really loves that.
0: <laughs> um, I'm gonna butcher the name. You see, I haven't played like Final. I'm just playing the Final Fantasy mm-hmm. VII remake right now, and I'm only familiar with like the first part, the oh, Mako yeah, Reactor, Generator. Yes. Is that right? Reactor reactor yeah I was listening to that one too and I like it a lot but like I'm also I was kind of worried a little bit it's like oh, it feels really spoilery right now <laughs> yeah little
1: spoilers I mean yeah that's early in the game though so it's not anything that that's like a, like a major plot point mm-hmm. but yeah don't listen too far on the album then because there's there definitely some spoilers but at this point the game's twenty years yeah. old like you know if you're not gonna play it, if you haven't played it you might not ever play it at this point but the remake's really good so I would highly recommend
0: it. That's really on me living in the Middle East and video games not being a big part of the culture there. Um everyone just play like soccer games, soccer video games and Crash Bandicoot. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I like I was never really exposed to like Mega Man or Le- Legend of Zelda or Mario a little bit, but like yeah. cuz Mario's like Mario, but um I think it wasn't really until I got older where I was like, dang, I really missed out on a lot of games because the only games I played were like movie licenses and I was like, this is really good. <laughs> and it was in reality, they're they're yeah. most of them were probably garbage. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little just a little bit about you before we go back to your mom. Um, why the connection with video games and rap besides it being your uh your two passions there? Like what inspired you? What 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 kind of like what was like the light bulb reaction to being like, Oh, um, we can mix these two that together.
1: Was a rapper by the name of YT Cracker. Uh, this was in 2005. I mm-hmm. heard a song. He did an album and it is called Nerd Rap Entertainment System. And on it, he just took a bunch of like mm-hmm. he photoshopped the front cover of the NES box and like has his picture and the zapper and the you know, and it's really, 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 really good. And like I it's one thing to have him rapping, you know, on uh game beats, you know, like that's been done in the past. There's an old rap song by Lil Flip called Game Over. And on it, it's a great sample from Pac-Man, and he kills it just talking about like being a pimp and just like whatever. So it's not super relatable. But when I heard uh righty cracker has a song called mega nerd and on it he samples mega man 3 and he just talks about how he's the he's like talking about how nerd rap life is great like being a nerd is awesome and that was the first time i heard something like that he's like man nerds have fun nerds make money nerds you know run the world and i was like this is so empowering like "Ah, i'm a nerd Ah," you know so that to me was the light bulb i was like wait you can do this (laughs) you can make rap music about how proud you are of being a nerd but also you can you can make it be dope you know and that's what it stopped at me cuz i was like this is probably going to be corny like i just thought rapping about how nerdy you are is just the corniest thing ever <laughs> you know like I like it's not going to sound good and that's, that was my <laughs> my reservation but when i heard it he sounded really good
0: <laughs> around that time too it was kind of like not really a stigma but like a lot of people who enjoyed that type of stuff were like really getting made fun of you know like if you watch old 80s 90s movies you're kind of just like oh yeah he's a nerd he like he likes dungeons and dragons and all that stuff and it's like now it's like that's the coolest thing to do is like play dungeons and dragons or video games you know video games is a multi-million dollar uh industry um yeah it's kind of crazy like how how things have changed. Oh yeah, especially yeah, like. Can you imagine the that there DC used to be a world twenty like years
1: ago books. where, like, if you said t- if you said you read comic books, people would laugh at you or want to fight you? You know, like now it's like they'll laugh at you if you don't read comic books or know about the Marvel <laughs> universe. So it, it's weird. We it, in a sense, it's gotten a little bit destructive mm-hmm. and maybe even a little toxic where it's flipped. I just saw somebody say like, "Oh, the people who hated." Mm-hmm. You know, who hated racist Star Wars fans or whatever, now has flipped and become the the enemies or the bullies, you know, or something like that. The nerds have flipped, and I don't necessarily think all of them have, but a lot of us have become kind of gatekeepery about it, and it's, and it's it gets sad to see, you know, to the point where we're like shaming mm-hmm. people for what they like or what they don't like, and mm-hmm. uh, I don't know, it gets difficult now, you know, to to fully embrace a fandom because it can be so toxic
0: i try not to um embrace like a fandom i kind of like the things that i like and you know i'll enjoy it with other people and try not to like judge them like you know mm-hmm. i like the sequel trilogy despite all it's of uh, star wars despite there's like hell of flaws in there and like finn like john boyega really got uh fucked over <laughs> essentially like i definitely feel that but like i still enjoy these movies you know because they're star wars you know i have like I couldn't imagine throwing out hate the thing at anybody. You like. like how, like just because, that like sound? I didn't like something about. Like, like I, I will um, argue that. Uh, spoilers for the rise of Skywalker. Like uh, Ben Solo and Ray, like kissing at that end. Like that was like the worst thing I ever saw in Star Wars. But I'm not about to like go into full rage mode. It's like it's art. Like you have to be able to critique it with a critical eye, and like you know, yeah, there's a lot of do. things. Like about it's Ryan it's that that I did. Love. Oh
1: man, it's it's so difficult yeah. to like even try to take a side on like an argument like that because it gets really really touchy and there's feelings involved for some reason. And yeah, like like you said, you can bring back the Finn thing. Like there's almost no question mm-hmm. that you know maybe maybe it's just like a, an artistic choice to be like, here's a red herring, here's Finn. You think Finn is special, mm-hmm. but he's not. You know what I mean? But that still hurts, you know, people who who, who thought that. <laughs> but at the same time, it's their art. And they yeah. decided, they made a decision a long time ago. And, you know, we just found out about it. So it makes us upset, you know, and it's not the decision mm-hmm. that we wanted. So it, it it's weird, man. It really is weird.
0: It is definitely. But like, at the same time, it's like, it's cool getting to engage with people in that way. Like, I remember like being raised in the middle East and like, not have like not knowing a single star Wars fan. Like I was the only one like who liked star Wars. Um, and even the front, my <laughs> friends who got into it, they didn't it even like it was old. Trilogy,
1: like, is that, that, a, and is that, I that like, enough of a reason? I mean, what's
0: wrong with you guys? Not new. <laughs> yeah. Essentially. Like they like the prequels more. And I was like, <laughs> You know, I love the prequels, but, like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you can't trash on the the OGs, you know? And so, like, for a long time, like, I really had to, like, find all this nerdy stuff, like Harry Potter, um, music to an extent. Like, it was kind of hard to, like, get into music. I kind of had an identity crisis where, you know, I wasn't necessarily... Because my dad's from Saudi Arabia. And so I I didn't look too much like him, but also... Now that I'm in the United States, I'm realizing that I'm not too much like my, my peers here, uh, like 85, 87% white yeah. here in Spokane. I'm like, no, nah, I, I don't really relate to any of these people either. And so um, it was kind of hard to like forge this identity. But, you know, now it's just I feel like you kind of grow out of that and you learn, you know, like you, you kind of find Absolutely. yourself and you kind of open yourself to new things. Like kind of like what we talked about earlier. The other thing I wanted to ask about your mom is that, you know, you could have talked about like anybody in uh, the entire world. Um, why do you think it was important to talk about your mom right now, now with the context of we're in a pandemic now and well, uh, stuff like that? Like, talk you think you to i talk get, about her any moment I get, you know, today? I feel
1: like she's been, you know, the best friend for so long. And the, the mm-hmm. connection, you know, between me and so many of these things, because she was the one buying me all of the toys and the, you know, the, the games that led to these inspirations. So, you know, she's an Mm -hmm. unsung part of this story. Like people can be like, Oh, my mentor who showed me how to upload songs on YouTube. And it's like, well, I wouldn't have had a song to put on YouTube if, you know, if it weren't for my mom making those sacrifices so that I could have those things and and play those games, you know? So yeah, that's really what it is. And with the book coming out right now, and I think with her being such a big part of that Mm -hmm. story, it's almost to the point where I was like, ashamed like I was scared to give her a copy of the book because I knew she was going to read it and have some things to say maybe about how I portrayed her but you know I made sure to keep her in a positive light because you know it's all been positive you know but but reality sometimes it's difficult you know and like for me to be like oh we didn't spend time together she wasn't there to show me things you know she might feel bad about that but I wanted to show her that I completely understand you know this is the lady who sacrificed everything for me to go to college, just for me to go screw it up, you know, in a year and now we owe thousands of dollars, you know, and, and so I've, I've, you know, I feel like I owe her, you know, for this, this career, she was like the angel investor, <laughs> you know, who spent the time and the effort and the money to, for me to get here. So I'll make sure to pay her back any way I can. So that's why that was important. So, there's a lot more about it in the book for sure. I'm sure once you guys, you know, read through that, you'll mm-hmm. enjoy it. But like uh, you know, like it does seem cliché to be like, oh, you know, my mom. But yeah, like when I think about all the sacrifices and how like I don't know, like I don't have mm-hmm. kids, but but I don't know if I would have been ready to make those kind of sacrifices for for a child, you know? I think about being in my thirties and still wanting to live my dream and then having a kid wanting to live their dream and wanting you to put your entire life on hold. So that it could, I, I don't relate to that, you know? And so mm-hmm. it's really the ultimate sacrifice, you know?
0: I feel you like not necessarily with my uh, parents, but like my, my own mentor, like, I got my mentor, Charles Pepitone. Uh, he was my uh, teacher, like my professor in college. And, you know, for a long time, I was just sitting there just yeah. being like, man, Charlie, why do you got to be such a hard ass? Like, I didn't say it to his face because like I didn't want him to like I didn't want to be on his bad side and have him duck points. You know what I mean? But like in my mind, I'm like, dang, it feels like everything that I'm doing here, like it's it's so hard and it's like I don't get it, you know, like why can't you just be on my level right now. And it wasn't until I directed my uh, senior thesis, which was like a very big moment for me to like figure out. um, And we talk about on B lights episode, like, cause she was involved in that project. Like, um, you know, why, like that was so influential. And I went back and I read all the dense textbooks that he assigned us, you know, the ones where I was like, man, I can't read this. I'm just gonna read a passage and just kind of bullshit my way through this like i read it again like in this new light and i was like oh my god like this is i had I, I told him right to his face like charlie i had an epiphany i was like everything you assigned us man like it it's good <laughs> like it was important i never appreciated this it's, it's so weird when you do that because like now i'm like i'm reading all this stuff and i i a lot of his um influence is like i i I took a lot of what he taught me and i put on my apprentice too and like it's an interesting experience for her because she's in high school and everything. So she doesn't get that kind of college, like upperclassman, like experience, like in her high school. And so, you know, like talking about your mom and like, at the time you didn't really get to see like why she was being like, why she wasn't at the house all the time and why like maybe you wish you had yeah. more time with her, but, like, in the grand scheme of things, oh, yeah, yeah. Like, it I, makes sense. I feel
1: bad, like, you wanting kinda, more from you feel somebody who shitty about it everything. too, <laughs> you know? Like, how, how, how could I want more from that,
0: you know? Exactly. Like, you know, it made me appreciate being a professor more, because, like, initially, like, I wanted to be an English teacher, and... I was tutoring like some kid and I was just like, man, I don't know if I can tutor kids because like he's asking a math problem right now. And I'm just like, I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't, I like, I, I'm just adult, lost I as lost as you are. We got to like find an <laughs> adult here. But then like, once I figured out um, mentoring and like, I got to like interact with some kids, you know, like 12, 14, and all that. And seeing like how much of an influence I was to them. I was, And seeing how much they're learning from me, I was just like, this is like, I'm sure like being a mentor, like being a mentor is challenging. Cause like you doubt yourself all the time, I feel like, but you know, I'm seeing what I'm trying to teach these kids. Like it's, it's going through their head. Like they understand, they appreciate this time. And it's like, this is a really good feeling. This is a really good feeling to be like, be appreciated in that way. Like to give my experience and knowledge to the younger youth and generation. And, you know, I George, her name is Georgia, my apprentice. And like, I always tell her like, you are right. insane for being here because, like, you're getting like extra homework for me and stuff like that. And it's like you don't need that stuff, but like you like that. We we have a session at like 4 p.m. Thanks. today where I'm gonna like train like the helper audition for her monologue. And I'm like, you don't, you don't have to be here. I, you, know, you know, when you, you love it, you'll do it. You'll do it homework, you know,
1: so that's you want absolutely it. the truth. Like when you love it, you'll do it, whether it's mm-hmm. whether it's paying or anything, or whether it's taking up time from personal life any of that stuff it's yeah when you love it you'll do it no matter what so props to her for Mm -hmm. really wanting to wanting to do this
0: because i remember when i was a kid i had a tutor who would always like assign us extra homework and she was awful (laughs) like even as an adult like i didn't appreciate what she did you know like because it was a struggle it made me hate school even more but so like i guess that was kind of like my uh reference guide to like how I was training her. I was like, man, you, you, if someone like approached me and I was like, hey, we're going to give you extra homework. <laughs> yeah. I, I would have been like, you yeah, know, fuck off, man. That's stupid. <laughs> Absolutely. But like you said, yeah, like, you know, she loves it and she wants to learn more kind of coming closer to the end of the podcast. But uh, I have one question that I always ask um, people on the show. Um, pretend your mom's here right now with us and she was listening to the the podcast and listening to all these cool words that you were saying about well, her. Well, um, just that I understand what's one thing now, you want to tell you her know,
1: right as an adult, I I understand. You know, all of the times that we weren't together, all the times that she was working super hard, I understand everything. You know, I understand all the sacrifice, and uh, and that I'm thankful and
0: appreciative. I will hop off that and say that about my professors as well. (laughs) If they're listening to that, like uh, Charlie, Kathleen, Leslie, even Courtney, you know, like, yeah,
1: I get it super hard on me, man. And, you know, but understanding, you you know, life and the world as a black woman, you know, to be like when the entire world is crashing down on you and coming down on you and blaming you for everything. And then, you know, it's just the classic scenario. Like I can't yell back at my boss, so I may go, go home and yell at whoever's there, you know? so I got yelled at and I felt like I didn't always do anything wrong to warrant being yelled at. Mm-hmm. But I understand that she was working so hard and under so much stress and pressure from the world to be great that, you know, the least you could get when she comes home is a sink that isn't full of dishes, you know? or or my homework being done when she asked, you know? So I was just piling on to what the world (laughs) was giving her. And I didn't realize that at the time, but, but now I do.
0: Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World, -er, uh, Megaran. Um, Megaran.com, Megaran uh, Megaran Uh, on Twitter, uh, or if you want to get the book, book.
1: dreammasterbook.com, all one word, has all the places where you can pick it up uh, from Amazon on down. So just Mm -hmm. type in Megaran and I'll appear anywhere
0: I just want to say like, thank you for being on this show. It's uh, a very big privilege. I hope so, too. (laughs) I I hope one day we can have a beer when this is all over. Yeah. Well, guys, gals, and non-binary pals, without further ado, it's been real.